Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. What a wonderful weekend we had last weekend. There was so much joy of all of us being together. It was amazing to see all of you at that dinner at Langdon Farms, and to have the fellowship together then, and to have the services with our hierarchs. Our beloved hierarch came out of the photograph, joined us for the weekend, and now he's returned to the photograph in the <laughs> fellowship hall. But you know he's real now. <laughs> and you saw his love for us. And I urge you to reciprocate that love toward him and the way that we express our love towards others is through our fervent prayer, because his role is one of many burdens. I also feel great gratitude for this last weekend, everything that came together, all of those who worked so hard on this, and the, the excitement of what lies ahead for our parish. And in Theology 101, the Design Review Committee will be unveiling all the images that our architect, Andrew Gould, has produced. So I encourage you to come to Theology 101 today. It's hard to believe that it was just one week ago, all of this. And for me especially, it is hard to believe because so much happened during this past week. I saw his eminence and his grace <clears throat> three days after the anniversary dinner in Las Vegas because they were there at the funeral of Metropolitan Elia. And Metropolitan Elia, he was the beloved parish priest of that parish for about 15 years. And after his presbytera passed away, he became a bishop of the Albanian Archdiocese, but he remained his home base was still Las Vegas for the last 20 years. So it was an incredible experience. There were five hierarchs and about 15 priests serving in the, the funeral. I've never seen such a, a scene as that. And we had the joyful sorrow of a man who had dedicated himself to the Lord to his very last breath in the funeral service for clergy there's this added verse, which is a few added verses, but one says, you have walked the narrow and afflicted way in life and have taken up the cross as a yoke and have followed me in faith. Come and enjoy the prizes and heavenly crowns that I have prepared for you. And you could sense the people's joy as well as their sorrow, but their joy that this person who had lived a life so dedicated to Christ. I also learned while I was there that the community in Las Vegas had experienced four tragic deaths in the last month, separate from Metropolitan Aaliyah's passing. Not all parishioners, some of them parishioners, some of them extended family members of parishioners. And each of these deaths had a different story. Some of them involved suicide, but each were very tragic and weighed very heavily upon the community. And each of them had an aspect of a person who was not prepared for death. It was a great contrast with Metropolitan Elia's funeral. We chanted in the funeral service. As we chanted, I was struck at once by the sobriety of the hymns of the funeral, which remind us of our own mortality and the death that awaits us. The church, through the funeral service, enjoins us to have vigilance in life and remembrance of death not as some sort of morbid obsession, definitely not like the creepy displays that we see in people's yards this month, but rather remembrance of death as something through which we look at all of our life. The parable of the sower is about how we prepare in this life for death. 
The good soil yields fruit 100-fold, it says. But these are not temporal fruits, fruits that will decay and mold, but rather these are eternal life. We all want to be that good soil that receives the word of God in which eternal fruit is born in this life and the next, a soul that is prepared for death in this way so that our departure is a seamless transition, not a horrible rupture. But it is very difficult. So how do we prepare a life that is prepared for death? How do we become the good soil? Because our enemy wants to make us into any other kind of soil. As Christians, we must be vigilant. As St. Peter says in his epistle, be sober, be alert. Your adversary, the devil, walks around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. In our modern life, there are so many things that can pull us away from our goal. So I want to talk today about three temptations in particular that are hallmarks of our era that we live in since there are three examples of the unfertile ground in the parable, the hard-trodden dirt of the path, the rocks, and the thorns. The first of these three that's a hallmark of our era is technology. I have to put in a caveat, technology is not bad, it's how you use it, etc., etc. we need to say that. Like money, we can say the same thing, but the reality is, like money, the more you have, the greater the danger. We don't want to admit this to ourselves. I don't want to admit this to myself. Yet each new technology that promises better efficiency and more productivity and greater ease of life instead produces frenetic activity, schizophrenia, more burdened life, more busy life, more anxious life. I'll tell you a little story. When I first got an iPhone, it was a hand-me-down from my mom, who's way more tech-savvy than I am. Um, and it was like an iPhone 3 or something like that. And it has the little switch on the side that you switch it so it's vibrate and it rings. And that switch, when it was in ringing mode, it was red. There's a little red behind it. You guys know what I'm talking about in our little phones? We all know this, right? It was red to say, basically warning your phone could make noise. Well, in subsequent iterations of the iPhone, that got switched. The red is when it's vibrating to say, warning, your phone might not be loud enough for you. Warning, you might miss a call or a text. It's a little change that I noticed, but it's kind of indicative of that because as we hear in parish life or in work life, people don't even check their emails much because they're too busy and texts are even more of a way to get people's attention. We see there's this crescendo that's going on you know, that I don't even know what the next technology will be that will outdo texts as far as getting our attention as quickly as possible. I feel like Pavlov's dogs, I'm sure many of you do as well. Bling, bling. Oh, is that me? Do I need to look at my phone? So these little jingles that we have on our phones, they call us and they call us immediately and we respond immediately. St. Paisios, when he would talk about the demons, he used a kind of a slang word, takalakia. And that word, it's hard to translate, but one of the translations that um, Google Translate gave me was little bells and whistles. Little bells and whistles. 
That's what he would call them. The word actually is much bigger than that. The, the word tagalakia is used. It, it can also mean uneducated or stupid. It's also the word that people use to describe politicians. <laughs> they say, tagalakia, you know, the politicians. But St. Paisios would use that to describe the demons. And I can't help but think that our phones sometimes have that aspect to them. But again, technology's not bad. It's how we use it. We can make the caveat. Or in the parable, we hear the birds of the air that are coming down to snatch the seed from that dry path. Elder Pavlos of Mount Sinai, who was a very holy man, uh, I had the blessing of meeting him at the seminary when I was there. And um, some would describe him as a saint. He said, a phone deprives the soul of peace. Wherever you go, you have your phone with you. There's no freedom left in life. And this is a true seal. And we know what seal he's talking about, right? This is the kind of thing that takes away our freedom, the kind of thing that pulls us in. It doesn't have to be that way, but we need to be aware of what dangers lie before us. And in fact, distractibility is not the only danger that we have with technology. Through our cell phones, our computers, our TVs, we can become spectators to murder, to fornication, to envy, to rage, and all sorts of evil. And we participate in these evils with our eyes and our minds. My brothers and sisters, the word of God, the word, how can the word of God be planted if there is no room in the soil of our hearts? If our hearts have been hardened by continually watching sinful things or by the distracted frenzy of our life, where will there be room for the word of God to be planted? So that's technology, just one of the hallmarks of our society that we're in. Another is sort of the ideals of our society. All you have to do is stand in the grocery line to see the ideals of our society. The pursuit of eternal youth, our obsession about food and about fitness. And I have to throw in another caveat. Of course, taking care of your body is not a bad thing, of course. And yet, and yet our obsession, because it's not simply about caring for my body. What I'm talking about is the idealization of the ideal of the idolization of the ideals of youth. The perfect person, according to our society, has incredibly good looks, has well-toned muscles, is probably about 25 to 30 years old. And all of us must pursue this ideal in the name of taking care of your body or of being healthy. No matter how old we are, we have to pursue this. Not far from our church here, there's a new temple that's being built to this God. Interestingly, it's called Lifetime. I don't know if you've seen this building rising, this massive building at Cedar Hills and Highway 26. Lifetime Gym. I don't know if it's called that either because you spend your whole life pursuing this ideal or because <laughs> the ideal only lasts as brief as a lifetime. The difference between caring for our body and pursuing these ideals, there's something very different between these. Because when we pursue these ideals of our society, there's always sort of a self-reflective aspect to it. What do I look like in the mirror? What do other people think of me? How am I aging? These are the kind of questions we ask ourselves 
that betray that it's not simply about taking care of our body. It's about something else that is much deeper and more insidious. In the funeral hymns, it's very clear about these kinds of ideals. It says, Every mortal is like a flower that withers, a passing dream that vanishes. This is our life. Do we spend our life trying to stay as the flower, the flower that can never wither, the flower that is impossible to wither? And yet we, of course, all know how difficult it is to try and fight against age because our bodies are marching towards death. And if we don't recognize that first and foremost, that our bodies are marching towards death, how will we be able to take care of the time that we do have? So don't fall for this trap. Care for the life of your soul, which is immortal, not your body, which will die. The third hallmark of our era is a worldly materialism. And this is the thorny ground. Of course, I can throw in another caveat. Money is not evil. It's how we use the money. But the thorny ground is, as our Lord said, those who hear the word of God, but as they go on their way, they're choked by the cares and riches and pleasures of life, and their fruit does not mature. I know that that particular ground always strikes me the most. That's always the ground that I go, ah, I'm definitely there. If I'm not in the others, I'm definitely there. And this is the trickiest ground because we can think that the soil is fertile. Out of all the different four soil types, there's undoubtedly fertile soil where the thorns are growing. But there's thorns as well. And so it's very tricky. And this is why in every liturgy we repeat the same prayer, let us lay aside all earthly cares. But when we go home after liturgy, do we do this? Or do we fret and worry? We have concern about the things of this life, how we will be able to do this or that or the other thing, that in the context of eternal life and our salvation are meaningless or nearly meaningless. In the gospel, in the gospels, our Lord mentions only three temporal concerns, food, shelter, and clothing. And he goes on to say that God provides each and every one of those. As for all the things in our life, that are not food, shelter, and clothing, automatically we should look at them in a much more vigilant and a much more concerned way. The funeral hymns, again, are very clear for us. In another hymn it says, All human pursuits are vain. They have no being after death. Wealth does not remain. Glory does not accompany along the way. Once death befalls, all those vanish utterly. My brothers and sisters, we must cultivate the soil of our hearts. We live in a very perilous time. And I'm sorry that this is a very sobering homily, but in light of the deaths that I found out about in the community in Las Vegas, I realize we all face this. How many of us do not know someone in our extended life who has tragically committed suicide? Just in the last year or two, how many of us know people who have died when they weren't prepared? We as Christians must be prepared. And there are many traps in this life, whether it's through our technology, whether it's through these ideals of our society, or whether it's through the pursuit of material things. We must be vigilant, we must be aware, so that our soul can instead become that good soil 
which produces fruit a hundredfold. Amen.